I want a customer that has a different mindset than a renter. I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. Welcome, Closers. Today, we have another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast coming at you. I'm your host, Jordan Moila, and every week, I interview world-class property management entrepreneurs and industry experts who share actionable insights to help you level up. Whether you manage 100 units or 10,000, this broadcast is designed to help you see the big picture and to give you the tools and tactics that you need to get to the next level. Today, I'm talking with Lou Brown, founder of Certified Affordable Housing Provider and owner of Trust Properties. Lou has a multifaceted background as a real estate investor. He's been buying and selling properties since 1976. He's put time and effort into single-family homes, apartments, hotels, subdivisions, you name it. So um, Lou and I actually were on a panel together at the IMN event in single family. It was their inaugural event. We were on a panel, seemed like a really sharp guy. I want to learn a little bit more about his background. So let's get some insights from our esteemed guest. Lou, welcome to the show. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Thank you. Thank All you. right. Uh, it, it, you know, it's a fun thing. I've been doing this business for over 40 years, buying, selling and holding property. And there's, uh, there's no stone unturned. <laughs> so, so ask me anything you want to. I, I believe it. So deep bench of experience. Let's talk about where you're at today. Tell me about the companies that you run right now. All right. So we are in the space. We actually purchase and sell homes all the time. Uh, we have a whole group of folks that are uh, that we are managing as well. Uh, and then I teach others how to build an entrepreneurial business of buying, selling, and holding property as well throughout the country. In fact, throughout the world, I've got licensees in all 50 states and 16 foreign countries that follow our system. All right. So real estate investment is the name of a game. Talk to me specifically about your experience with uh, buy and hold with, with residential property management. So our, our world is uh, that we're entrepreneurs. So we buy entrepreneurially. <laughs> so rather than paying retail, we definitely buy wholesale. And we even buy from wholesalers as well as we resource properties on our own. We resource leads on our own. And, uh, and then we bring those in and then analyze those properties and see what will work for, for our world. Got it. So in terms of your experience with property management on the operations side, managing tenants, collecting that rent check, really building a, an effective and a profitable business, what is kind of unique about your perspective or your approach on the operational side of things? So from an operating standpoint, we have a uh, lean, mean fighting machine. Um, we don't have a lot of, uh, of, of uh, delay in getting things done. So basically, as we are acquiring properties, we've got a unique model where we already have customers. And this is one of the things I teach that, you know, one of the mistakes that a lot of people make is they acquire a property and then they get stuck with it because they don't actually know who their customer is or they'll go through and do a tremendous renovation and not really know who their customer is. So we do the opposite. We actually go find the customers first, then go find the product for them that matches their situation. So it's all relative to their credit, their down payment, what they can afford on a monthly basis. And then we go what we call custom buy the property for them. That means that it's got to be a property that can fit within our parameters so that we can buy it at a discount and sell it to them by either being the bank for them or providing them an opportunity to someday end up with home ownership. Hmm. Okay. Now you got me excited. So what you just talked about, I would say is not the norm. So, so immediately, right again, just going to ask you, in some ways, that sounds like a giant pain in the neck. Like, why go through all that? Why go through all that trouble to facilitate that as opposed to just meeting Susie, a homeowner that's in the military and is moving and, and picking up her property, et cetera? 
Well, I want a customer that has a different mindset than a renter. As you well know, renters uh, sometimes destroy properties. They don't really care about it. Their mindset is it's your property, it's not their property, so you need to deal with it. Our customers have a different mindset. They are looking at it as their property, and so they're going to do things differently than we typically would do as landlords. So, for example, my customer might buy a $150 ceiling fan at Home Depot and put that into the property as opposed to us being over at the sale table, buying the discounted one and putting that one up. You know, So, uh, we tend to get someone who's got a vested interest in the outcome and so, therefore, their care of the property, uh, not in all cases, but in many cases, is much better. And then the second thing is to actually work with them to help them get their credit improved so they can end up with home ownership. Got it. So this is a rent to purchase program. Right. Well, it's the four levels. We call it the path to home ownership, where we help people to end up with home ownership regardless of credit or financial background. Okay, great. Walk me through the four levels. Oh, yeah, baby. So uh, it really depends, again, on the customer. So the customer comes into our world. We analyze them. They actually join a membership, and it's called the Path to Home Ownership Membership. Then based upon what we find when we look at their credit and their application, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, location they would like, and the amount of resources they have to work with. So the down payment and what they can afford on a monthly basis are the factors that are going to match them to one of the levels of the program. So we've got uh, four levels, rent, of course, and that requires a 1%, what we call move-in fee. We do not uh, acquire security deposits. Uh, it's a whole other world called move-in fee. And then there's uh, the rent-to-own level, which they have to have a minimum of 3.7% to put down. And then there's the owner finance level, which they have to have a minimum of 10% to put down. And they acquire what we call an agreement for deed. And then the final level is the platinum level. And the platinum level is when they're actually purchasing the property because they have good enough credit and good enough down payment. And we've discovered that in our process because a lot of people don't even know that they have good enough credit and good enough down payment until they get with us. We analyze them and say, well, actually, we can go ahead and get you qualified now. We'll go find a home. When you love it, then we'll go ahead and sell that to you right away. So this would be considered a non-traditional path to home ownership. And I'm assuming that the primary audience that you're catering to are folks that have trouble going through the traditional banking system, et cetera. Maybe they have some credit issues. Like give me the profile of who comes to you and who this program works for. You know, it's a, it's a whole spectrum. It's people that uh, had a downfall in the last economy and they got taken down. Their house went upside down and eventually got foreclosed or they abandoned abandoned the property and now they've got damage to their credit. It's people that have had medical issues. It's people that have had breakups, breakdowns, move outs, transfers, all kinds of different things occur in their life. And so we're, we're kind of like the cleanup crew. We're giving them a fresh start, start uh, and that fresh start now gives them an opportunity, but they've got to play the ball. They've got to play the game uh, in the way that we've laid it out for them. And provided that they do, then we have a very successful relationship. So how do you manage the risk? How do you make sure that you're engaging in a relationship with mutual commitment, that they're not going to fill out an application and then bounce out of town? How, How do you manage that aspect of it? Well, you know, it's uh, it's the thing of if they've paid $50 to join the membership, they've already put skin in the game. So mm-hmm. I'm separating the wheat from the chaff. Uh, potential buyers, potential renters are easy to find. What I'm looking for is that mindset. So the mindset then comes with somebody who's actually going to give you money. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they give you money, okay, now they have gotten our attention. And it's our job to fulfill that relationship now and and completely uh, adhere to what we're offering them once we look at their credit, for example. If we discover it's less than perfect, then we're going to put them into credit restoration. So we have a nonprofit organization that we work with, and they pay us when we pl- place people into their program. And it's very low cost, and they do an amazing job, and we've been with them for three and a half years. And so that's a relationship that we bring to the table for our clients, and we say, hey, based on the credit that you currently have, uh, the next 
next step is to go ahead and put you into credit restoration. And then we're going to go about finding a property that matches your situation. Got it. So how many folks have been through this program? Oh my God. Thousands. Uh, I have licensees of my system in all 50 states, as I said. So basically we've got pods, we've got community-based providers that are all across the country that are doing this. Amazing. So this is an opportunity to help people that have fallen down at some point. What about hiccups during the process? If somebody is on this rent to own program and somewhere a couple years into the program, uh, the rent the rent check isn't coming through, what do you do? How do you handle you know, that, now, now we're back to the traditional property management. <laughs> so, so basically, of course, we notice them. And, uh, and if they don't do what they're supposed to do, then we have to go through the normal eviction channels. Now, we have a whole process, uh, a workout, walkout type situation, cash for keys, where we basically try to mitigate our losses in that situation because generally they're not just abandoning us something's happened in their life and if we can help them over that hump sometimes we'll do a promissory note for the balance that they owe us get them back on track for paying on time and then recover the money that they owe us over time Uh, so we'll add for example 100 200 to their payment Another thing we'll do is require them once they go into default, we'll put them onto payroll deduction. So then we get paid every two weeks right out of their paycheck instead of the traditional once a month. And basically, one of the things I discovered, having been in this business for 40 years, I discovered that really, if you think about our business model, it's not quite accurate to our customer's situation. So our customers have money at certain times of the month and we're not there for it. (laughs) So then we're having them accumulate a sum of money to pay monthly. I've changed that philosophy now. I want to collect when they have money, I want money. And now we've spread out our payments now uh, to, to get paid with every pay period rather than get paid once a month. Wow. Interesting. So have you done traditional third-party property management, um, basically being paid by the landlord to manage for tenants? Is that a, is that a current or a former piece of your background? I've done that in the past. It's uh, I'm an investor, so I pretty much self-manage our portfolio. And then I teach others how to build their own portfolio and do their own thing and self-manage those as well. So contrast to me, that proposition versus what you're doing here. I mean, this you've obviously perfected something. You're leveraging some IP to make this viable, right? If somebody else was to conceptually kind of take that idea and execute on it, it would probably be pretty rough without the background and the experience that you have. How would you contrast that experience of traditional third-party management versus what you're doing now? Well, it's a great question because I think uh, what we've really got is the opportunity now to shift and change the marketplace. I see property managers being able to bring this same path to home ownership to their clients. And if you think about where their clients are in the world. So basically, it's somebody that wants to acquire property and hold it for a period of time for a purpose. Like maybe a child is going to go to school, they want to liquidate that property, now have the funds to be able to pay for the college education. Maybe they want to hold it for retirement and liquidate it at that point. So generally, there's a life cycle of a relationship Mm -hmm. for a property manager when that property now with a new strategy that property manager can say to a client, look, we're going to take you all the way from cradle to grave. So basically, when you're done with that property, you let us know and we'll put one of our path to home ownership clients into the property and then we'll finish it out without you having to take a big discount on the property to sell it for cash. Mm, interesting. So you basically will offer to take that property off of out of somebody else's portfolio and basically allow them to, to push it out without having to go through the wholesale cycle. 
Well, that's one option, but the other option is the property manager literally having this in their portfolio and that they're certified themselves. So they're certified affordable housing providers themselves, and they can simply say to a client, okay, the next client that we put in, we're going to put in a path to home ownership client so that you can get the maximum amount of payout. Because I will tell you that the markups in the uh, scenario that I've laid out for you are much better than a traditional investor situation. Typically, an investor, when they're liquidating a property, they have to go through and clean it up, paint it up, fix it up, get it ready for the market. Then the the property manager, who's also typically licensed, now they're going to take it on, go ahead and sell it. They're going to get a real estate commission themselves. And really, the investor what have they gotten? They had a big hole in the bucket to pay to clean it up and fix it up. They had holding costs while it's sitting there vacant. And then they finally sell it and sometimes have to pay the closing costs for the new buyer. And you think about all of those costs to sell considered, that's quite a reduction in what they could have gotten for the property. Now, in our world, our buyers come in and they do some or all of the repairs to the home. And we give them credit towards their down payment to do some or all of the repairs. And in exchange, we get to move the property very quickly because they're in our inventory of buyers. And then because they're in our inventory, now they are waiting for us to find them a property that matches their situation. And they're very, uh, they're very appreciative of the situation. So they'll They'll look past a lot of things that we typically uh, have to fix up in the, in the traditional landlord-tenant relationship. This is not a typical landlord-tenant relationship. This is more of an opportunity relationship for our buyer. Okay. Talk to me more about the yield for the investor, though. Um, how does that well, well, change? You know, it's interesting. So our system, of course, has evolved over 40 years of me being in the business. So I've definitely seen ways that we can maximize our return. Um, And I've got a whole scad of, of, uh, you know, internally, we call them profit centers, but they're additional income that we uh, receive from our relationship with the resident. So, for example, we get our initial move-in fee. Uh, We get our initial, excuse me, our initial uh, membership fee. And then we get a move-in fee or an option fee or a down payment from them. And then beyond that, we get pet fees, pet rent, extra person rent. We've got all kinds of additional profit centers built into our paperwork that uh, they happily pay us. It's not a resistant type situation. It's not something where they say, oh, well, you're gouging me or anything like that. We don't have that problem at all because we're giving them an opportunity. So our profit, our profitability on each property is significantly higher. We bring in several hundred dollars per property per month just on uh, these additional profit centers. And Uh, Over the span of the relationship, now, if you look at that client being in there anywhere from 6 to 12 to 24 months, depending on how long it takes to clean up their credit and get them credit qualified, uh, then in the meantime, we've also structured the pricing in such a way that we're not selling at cash retail, we're selling at 10 to 20% above cash market. So any adjustments that we need to make at the end to make the numbers work, we've got already room in there built in. So our uh, when we sell a property, thinking like an investor, when we sell a property, we're actually getting maximum income instead of the traditional expenses that it costs to sell a property. Got it. Fascinating. Okay. So I'm a traditional third-party management company. My, uh, one of my owners comes to me and says, hey, I want to cash out. I need a liquidity event for whatever reason. And I tell them, hey, I've got a program by which uh, a tenant, not necessarily the tenant that's currently in there, but a tenant could purchase this, get on this path to home ownership. How is what you're describing different than um, your average vanilla rent to buy program 
Right, right. Well, that's certainly an element of it, but ours is structured. So we're structuring through what we call the path to home ownership. So all of our paperwork is designed to step them up to the next level. It's already uh, mentioned in the paperwork what the next step is and what credits they're going to earn at the level that they're at in order to move to the next level. So there's definitely a structured relationship Mm-hmm. Uh, from the beginning. Got it. Okay. So that's really what you're leaning upon is there's enough structure and enough of a vision and enough, maybe, maybe gamification might be the right word for the tenant and eventually the buyer to feel like that they're really, uh, they're making progress. They can see the path. It's not just a dream and a hope. That is correct. In fact, um, we even give our clients a book called uh, Never Pay Rent Again. <laughs> so it's Never Pay Rent Again, The Path to Home Ownership, and it teaches them and steps them through. And we even give them videos that walk them through becoming mortgageable. And they come to classes at our office uh, to learn more about maintaining their properties, even changing filters, you know, okay, it's this time of the month, blah, 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 it's this time of the uh, season, it's time to change your filter. Okay, now here, let me tell you more about your electrical box. Let me tell you more about your cutoff for your water, things like that. So uh, we're, we call them homeowners in training, and we're actually giving them some education on how to be a homeowner, because these are things that all homeowners should know. Got it. And so the demographic profile of the average customer is somebody where this really feels like it's a value add. This is obviously not a really affluent, upwardly mobile clientele. So it's a real... (laughs) I will surprise you there. Uh, We've got uh, when, when we hear the word affordable, sometimes our mind plays tricks with us. Uh, and I always tell people, I say, look, uh, affordable housing is not some junker house. We're talking about what's affordable for the customer. So mm-hmm. I've got uh, one of my affordable houses is $425,000. They pay $42,500 down and they pay us a payment every month of $3,759. Well, their income is $12,000 a month. They own nail salons. Here, here's the funny thing and the interesting thing about this model is we've brought out a lot of business owners because the banks don't like business owners. The banks don't love business owners. They think they might, they're scheduled to fail and, you know, 96% do. So, <laughs> so they're, they've got some statistics to work with is the reason they don't like entrepreneurs. But we love entrepreneurs because they're paying a significant down payment and we're close enough to their world to discover that there's an issue before it gets too big. You know, the banks, they're so big and they're so Mm -hmm. disconnected from their customers, they can't really discover that there's a problem until way down the road. So that's why, you know, they're not even starting the foreclosure proceedings until six, nine, 12 months down the road. And we're much tighter in with that relationship. So uh, we have $600,000 down uh, uh, affordable houses. We have, we have the whole spectrum. Got it. So, but in the example you just gave for 25 value on the home, this is a situation where presumably what was it purely driven by the income proof of income requirements predicated upon the fact that on, they were an entrepreneur or were there also some credit significant credit gaps that oh, yeah. also made that appealing? Well, typically, uh, you know, many of these entrepreneurial businesses just uh, don't have the foundation of 24 months of stable income to be able to qualify for a loan. It's not Mm -hmm. that they have bad credit. It's that they can't qualify for a traditional loan. So they're in that no man's land until they get that 24 months of stabilized income to be able to qualify for a traditional loan. So they're in with us while that process is going on. Got it. Okay. So talk to me about what this actually means to be acting like a bank in this capacity. (laughs) Talk to me about any kind of regulation that comes up or liability. 
Right. It's a beautiful thing. Well, it is subject to state law and uh, there's but there's very, very few states that have restrictions against this. Uh, so uh, in North Carolina, for example, you got to disclose uh, certain things and it's got to be in 14 point type. OK, that's what we do in North Carolina. In uh, Texas, uh, you have a, a limitation of six months on a, on a lease option if it's done simultaneously. So we teach our, our Texas contingent to do it non-simultaneously so that they can have an extended period of time to have the lease with the option to buy. So there's all kinds of different adjustments, but not, I said all kinds, there's very few adjustments that you really need to make traditionally. Uh, so as we are working through any kind of state issues that someone has, we just merely adjust the paperwork accordingly. Now, as far as nationally, there's the Dodd-Frank Act. So the Dodd-Frank Act controls banks, and they basically want to take entrepreneurs and put us into that funnel. Uh, and so they limit the number of owner finance deals you can do within a 12-month period to three. Uh, well, it's limited unless you have that approved by a licensed mortgage loan originator. We happen to have that nationwide on our team. So they just simply sign off on the paperwork. Now you can do an endless number annually. Got it. So for folks that are in this program and have been doing it for a while, not you, but some of the folks that have actually bought in, licensed, et cetera, what kind of deal velocity are they able to, to do within a, a year? You name it. You name it. We've got the whole spectrum. We've got people retiring from their jobs and they want something else to do in their life and they love what we do. In fact, uh, that's my other book. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about that. Uh, we have uh, Doing Good While Doing Well how real estate investors uh, provide a service and make a difference. And so uh, our entrepreneurs that I work with are very attracted to making a difference in other people's lives. So this, in fact, is the book that we give to sellers when we're working with a seller and showing them what we're going to do with their home, that we're going to move in a deserving family uh, to help them end up with home ownership. Well, they absolutely love it and um, and they get excited. And in fact, many times we've had people sell us homes at a lower price than someone else offered them because of our program. So we're really making a difference out there. Um, in fact, your viewers can have a free copy of the book. Uh, it's called Get doinggoodbook.com, getdoinggoodbook.com. You can download it and you asked about others that are doing this. Well, the whole book is written by others that are doing this. So, so you can actually get a perspective on their businesses and what they're doing and how they're doing it. And uh, philosophy, uh, velocity is really relative to the individual entrepreneur, what they're trying to accomplish. Some of our folks have have buildings and signs and teams and vans and they're wrapped with our with our certified affordable housing provider logos and the whole nine yards and other people are just getting started in the business and they're building a community-based business and uh and they're just going to be doing one or two a month until they get rev revved up to the numbers that they're really looking to build do you want to network with other grade A entrepreneurs that are ready to talk more than simple day-to-day -day operations? Are you interested in expanding your business through cutting edge sales, marketing, and growth strategies? If so, you need to be at the 2019 PM Growth Summit held in April in Austin, Texas. Check it out at pmgrowsummit.com. Learn what the difference is between hope and actual results. It's called taking action. That's what we do collectively at the PM Grow Summit by bringing in world-class speakers, world-class attendees. Get more information at pmgrowsummit.com. All right, so let's talk about the wholesaling side of the business. Um, you think back maybe a decade ago and you think about the proliferation of we buy ugly houses, the yellow billboards with the caveman guys on there. There's a real spike at one point in time in the noise and the attention. And then things have kind of fallen off. There's been a shift in the market. How long have you been running this program for? 
<laughs> so we've uh, we've been doing this about seven years, and uh, have you seen uh, have you seen some significant meaningful change in, in market conditions and your ability to to purchase? Without question, uh, this is my fourth real estate cycle, so I'm very familiar with this process, and I know exactly how it works, and I can. I can tell you uh, in in very real terms what happens uh, as whenever interest rates are increased, the customer's money does not increase. <laughs> so the amount that they can afford is the amount they can afford. What does that mean? That means the price point of home that they can buy actually has to come down because they're income and ability to pay doesn't change. It's the market that's changing. So we we know for a fact that, uh, and we're already seeing it, days on market are extending at this point. Uh, uh, people are dropping, you know, California, we're seeing $50,000 drops in California. They're just, they're running for the hills right now uh, because of the fact that, uh, hey, the market's being affected and infected by those uh, those, uh, those interest rate increases. So we we're very familiar with that process, and so now we're gearing towards the buying side where we can acquire properties at a discount. And our program actually resonates more with sellers in this kind of market because mm-hmm. they they are willing to be creative. And I, I love creative financing. We got 37 different ways that we can structure a deal on the purchase side. So we're we're very adept at the at creative financing with sellers. And uh, this kind of market actually opens itself up much more for that. Okay. I'm loving this. Talk me about bird dog in a deal. Talk me through some of the creative deal structure um, and, and what you've kind of picked up on as some secret sauce there. Oh man. Well, one of the things we look for is existing financing. So our world revolves around discovery of the seller's situation and the amount of uh, uh, the existing financing and the interest rate that they have. And my plan is to take over that financing. So uh, I'm over 40 years in this business. I've never been to the bank. I've never qualified for a loan on a single family or small multifamily property. I've done well over a thousand transactions and I've taught thousands and thousands of others to do exactly the same thing. So our game, if you talk about Gamify, our game is to not go to the bank, not qualify for loans, not sign personally for anything, uh, and to uh, place the property into trust and never own it in your own name and create a scenario where you've got privacy, asset protection, probate avoidance, and profits. All right. So, so my, my, uh, flag for like late night infomercial Carlton sheets is like turning on here. Sounds a little too good to be true here, Lou. Like walk me through some of the specific mechanics. Well, uh, you know, the, the cool thing is when you've got a script to work with, it's uh, not that hard. Uh, so basically, we, through scripting, we identify the seller's situation and their pain. We're discovering their pain point. So as soon as we discover their pain, then we can structure a deal that's going to uh, give them a prescription to, uh, to heal that wound, whatever they've got. And, um, and so identifying what that is and then showing them their way out of it is what we specialize in. Now, given that, uh, when they have existing financing, I can actually pay them more for the property when it's got existing financing because otherwise I would have gone and spent money elsewhere to get that financing. So I'm willing to credit back to my seller an amount of money in order to take over their existing financing instead of me having to resource the cash to purchase it for all cash. Okay. So what does it actually mean for you to take over their existing financing? What are the actual terms there? Well, it's called buying a property subject to the existing loan. So you're recognizing that you're going to get the deed to the property, but that deed comes with baggage. That deed comes with the existing loan that's already on the property. So given that it has that existing loan, 
And given that we're going to have permission from the seller to do this, then we're going to actually purchase that property in trust. And then we're going to, the trust is going to make the payments directly to the lender from now on. Uh, Well, interesting little exception in the law that gave the banks the right to create the due upon sale clause is there's an exception in there when your property is placed in trust. So I became an expert back in the early 80s when they created the law called the Garn St. Germain Act. I became an expert in a thing called trusts, which I dearly love and adore. It's the best best Mm -hmm. entity ever we can we can have another podcast on that conversation but uh you know the fun thing is that when you learn the power and benefits of trusts uh there's just no place else to go and one of them is that i can take over existing financing oh man i i want to do that other podcast on trust trust one of those things that feels like classically like this kind of opaque one percenter tool that is not really known or, or understood by the masses. Could you just riff off for, oh. every, for, for any entrepreneur, regardless of whether or not you're in real estate or in any business, the goal is accruing wealth, but the real goal is keeping the wealth. Trusts are a part of that, that story. Walk me through just some of the other benefits. Well, you know, in today's society with mega data and all the stuff that goes on, it's so easy to find out what someone owns. And therefore, it's easy to access what they own if uh, you can create a lawsuit against them. If you have a claim against them, now you can get all of their equity. Well, with this magical thing called trusts, and I, I focus on a thing called land trusts, then we can purchase each property in its own trust and it's held in its own trust, but you control the beneficial interest of the trust. That is not published anywhere on public record. So that's a private matter and uh, and can be changed, exchanged, moved on at any time uh, when that property is in trust. So uh, I like to create a wall, (laughs) per se, around that asset and create that envelope to hold it in and protect it while it's in our care. And so we dearly love trusts for the privacy, but we also love the asset protection. No one knows who the actual beneficiaries are, so they can't take a direct hit uh, at that point. If they're, if they're attempting to take a direct hit, it's much more difficult, much more expensive for them. And then uh, probate avoidance. There is no other entity on the planet that avoids probate except a trust. And so for very little money, you can create an asset protection tool that also delivers at death probate avoidance. So if you think about your parents, your parents, all of their assets should be in trust, your grandparents, anybody else should have their assets in trust because at death, it immediately passes from them as the beneficiary to whomever they've named in the trust as the heir. Boom. It happens that fast. No attorneys, no delay, no confusion, no expense, no att- no attorneys. Did I mention that? No, <laughs> no judges, no court, no nonsense, no confusion. It's wonderful. It's just the most amazing thing on the planet. So I'm a I'm a dear lover of trust for sure. In fact, your folks can have my book on that. It's uh, maximumassetshield.com forward slash book. So I've got a website, maximumassetshield.com, and it talks about my training on that. But forward slash book gets you the book for free. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. So I asked you about the mechanics of purchasing. You mentioned this specific deal with trust. That's really fascinating. But at the end of the day, with wholesaling, velocity, deal flow is one of the big keys, right? Uh, you just, you have to be able to see enough deals to cherry pick the ones that actually fit. How do you encourage folks to go route, go about getting enough access to deals? Oh man, uh, there are so many great ways. And one of the things that I teach my certified affordable housing providers is to focus on an area rather than scattering across the whole metro area, just focusing and buying and selling within five miles of where you live. And I know that sounds bizarre, but it really, really works when you've got total focus on that area. One of the things you can do is actually become a community-based business. That means connecting with the community. 
opportunity. So many of the deals that we get, I just closed on one, many of the deals we get is actually referrals from within the community. So if you think about the person uh, who, uh, my the guy who cuts my hair, for example, uh, he uh, referred me a lady that was retiring after 42 years at her job and she was moving to Florida and she basically was done. Well, she could go through the pain and suffering of fixing the whole property up or taking a you know, listing with an agent. Who knows how long that's going to take? The property needed work, blah, blah, blah. I came in. I make, This is one of the things we do. We have a presentation that we make to the seller. I made my full presentation. Then we have another a tool we call our cost to sell worksheet. So the seller helps us arrive at a number to to offer. Well, I was able to buy that property subject to two loans and uh, take it as is and uh, give her everything that uh, that our cost to sell worksheet allowed us to give her. And she loved it. And she sold it to the trust just exactly as I'm describing. Well, that's just one example, and that's just uh, someone, then that was just a referral within the community, and that's just one way you can get leads. Uh, another is that we have a postcard campaign that we do. So, with a highly targeted list, we're actually able to send a postcard. It's got a picture of the house that we're mailing to on it, and it says, is this your house? I want to buy it. So, that generates some really good response rates, and that's one of our other whizzes. We've got different resources that we work with and so we uh, that's our mail home whiz and boom we so we get the list we provide it to the mail house they mail it they do all the the matching of the pictures and everything else and mail it to the people and then we answer the phone and we got our script and then through the script we're able to discern what we can put together with that particular client how do you encourage folks to think about the number of deals they're going to look at um, relative to the number of deals that they'll actually be able to act on? Is it 10 to 1? Is it 100 to 1? It's all skills. It's all skills. I promise you that uh, the more skills that people have, the uh, the uh, I, I close almost everything I go see sooner or later. Um and but someone just getting started and is not familiar with the 37 different ways that you can structure a deal, they are, uh, you know, they're kind of flailing around and still experiencing things. So that would be more of the uh, one in a hundred <laughs> scenario. But then when you narrow it down with education and training, then it's a, you're able to get a much higher return on your invested time and energy. I'm definitely picking up what you're laying down around the positioning of how you're trying to come in. You're not trying to come into the deal purely on a dollars and cents basis because of the program and the packaging that's wrapped in. I could see how that positioning is meaningfully different. This is a fascinating alternative to traditional third-party management. I do want to move off of that and ask you two other questions to wrap up the interview. The first is this. You've been in business for a while. You're gray hair. You've got some sage um, advice relative to the specific topic, but I just want to hear a little bit about the overall kind of life story of you as an entrepreneur. Can you walk me through any yeah. specific low points that you experienced over your 30 plus years of real estate investing? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, where I started from was the low point uh, where, you know, I was raised by a single mom. Uh, my mom came over as a war bride on the Queen Mary uh, she had a uh, her American trooper husband. Everything was going to be wonderful. She gets here. She finds out he's an alcoholic and an abuser. She has to get rid of him. And ultimately, it ended up just being the two of us. And I found out what it's like to be on the other side of the door when the rent man's banging on the door and saying, where's my money? Um, and you don't have the money. You just don't have it. And so uh, you're you kind of get a different perspective on life and you get a different perspective on what's important. And, you know, uh, when I got to see what that low point is, uh, everything else above that <laughs> is gravy. Um, and, but definitely we've had ups and downs and definitely I went through an incredible learning curve. The things I'm sharing with you today. Oh my goodness. I wish somebody had taught me this stuff in the beginning because it was, 
it it is so different now and the way my business looks now is so different than it did uh look when i first got started i bought my first house when i was 18 years old uh and it's the first house i ever lived in i was raised in apartments and uh, i was able to do that by taking over the existing financing on the property not going to the bank not qualifying for a loan and as a result of that I got to see that there was this other world. And then so I discovered, wait a minute, there's going to be no limitation to my future because I'm going to buy these things right. I'm going to buy them cheap and I'm going to have a spread and then create an amazing residual income business, which is the way I look at our real estate business. It's just a residual income business. And every time you acquire another one, you're creating more residual income and more residual income. But definitely I've had some challenges because I'm, I like to be entertained. Uh, so uh, I've done things like built subdivisions and uh, built a hotel from the ground up. And uh, we just bought a note and ended up with a hotel in Texas. And, you know, so I do a variety of things in real estate in addition to single family homes uh, and uh, and definitely have had my learning curves in in that process. But, uh, you know, that's what I always encourage people to do is get to 20 free and clear properties. Get to 20 free and clear properties. You've got a life like you've never imagined before. You can't mess that up. Then you can go get entertained doing other things that uh, might be a bit risky. But as long as you have that foundation of income and that foundation of wealth, you can't screw that up. Wow. That's really inspiring. So you mentioned first buying a home at 18. That's a bit odd here. And I, my follow-up question, the second question that I want to close with is this, talk to me about the role of mentorship in your life, both in terms of receiving and giving. Did you just have something in you that compelled you as an 18 year old to go figure out how to buy a house? You know, I was so I was so blessed that my mom had a friend. Um, now, this lady was about four foot tall and four foot wide, not making fun of her, just saying that this is not your usual mentor, right? And and she's built like this. No, you and I are living to hear what she had to say. And so, uh, not making fun of her again, just saying that I was so blessed to have this lady in my life because at eight years old, uh, now remember, I'm the kid on the other side of the door hiding out from the rent man. And here she's telling me that she just bought the duplex that they live in. She told me that the people on the other side were paying enough money and rent to cover the mortgage that they had mm. just taken out on the property equals free rent. Equals mm -hmm. They were living there for free. And I went, uh-huh. And then she bought the property next door and she said the people on one side were paying enough money to cover the mortgage and the other money was theirs. And I watched her lifestyle and they got a new car every other year and they went out to the steakhouse almost every night and they had a good life and they went on cruises and, and everything. And I, I just said, wow. And then they bought another duplex and another one and another one all on the same street. So as properties would come available, they just kept buying property. And then they bought a brand new house and a brand new subdivision, all brick home on a corner lot. And that was really my initial mentorship was just watching, listening to her, hearing what she had to say, and then watching her doing it and then saying, you know what? That's the way out. That's the way to the other side. And her uh, friend, a realtor, was the first person who ever showed me that property and then the possibility of taking over the existing loan because there was no way I could qualify for a loan, right? <laughs> I'm 18 yeah. years old and I didn't have enough income to qualify for a brand new loan or background or credit or anything. And But I was able to take over existing financing. So that gave me the aha moment to that then I could shift to a whole new way. And I realized that I didn't have to do it the way she did. She went to banks and qualified for loans. I could just do it the way I learned right then. And I've and now 40 years later, I've never gone to the bank. I've never qualified for a loan. So that was the mentorship that I got initially. And then through the years, of course, you know, some people say, uh, you know, they don't, they don't believe in gurus. Well, I do. I do. I have learned so much by going to other people's events and learning from them and 
picking up great information, even if it's just one idea that you can apply in your business. So I spend thousands of dollars in my education and uh, and I'm, I belong to, to uh, mastermind groups and everything else because it just advances my business every time. It gives you a chance, first of all, to, to focus and to focus on your business rather than doing your business, uh, you know, uh, being uh, working on your business instead of in your business. So anytime that you have a chance to focus a few days and work on your business, you can really advance so much quicker. So then I became a mentor myself and we started coaching and supporting our clients in building their amazing multi-million dollar businesses. And, uh, and so I enjoy the process now uh, of really helping others to build amazing businesses. So it sounds like part of what I'm hearing you say is that, well, you do love the business and building the business. It's actually the focus on the business as a vehicle for building the asset that is really kind of the core focus. Am I picking up on that accurately? Amen. Amen. I'm all about buy and hold strategy. Uh, and like I said, with the exit strategy of the path to home ownership. So it's not that you're a landlord stuck with property. Uh, and that's generally what people do. They get kind of stuck in this landlord mode and then they're stuck with the properties when they get tired of it. And there's, we are all, I, I say we're beings and bodies on a journey and that that journey we don't know which turn that's going to take. And at some point, all people often get to the point they don't want to do that anymore. They want to do something else. And and what happens for a lot of landlords is they sell to people like me <laughs> at a huge discount because they're so done with it. Uh, so I say, if you're going to be in the business, have an exit strategy built in. And that's the reason that I created the Path to Home Ownership. In addition to helping people have a better life than the one they've got, also, we can have an amazing business that has a, has a, a way out, <laughs> a way out because all of our customers are actually on the path to homeownership. By the way, we've got apartments and everything else, but we tell everybody they're on the path to homeownership. <laughs> wow. Love it. Lou, I really appreciate you coming on and dropping some knowledge. If folks want to get in touch with you to learn more about your programs and what you're up to, what's the best place for them to go? CertifiedAffordableHousingProvider.com. CertifiedAffordableHousingProvider.com. That is our site that talks about the certification program. And uh, my, my company is called StreetSmart. So StreetSmartInvestor.com is another website. And uh, our 800 numbers, 1-800-578-8580. And I'm always good for a question. So if someone has, you know, a question that uh, they'd like an answer to, I'll be more than happy to help with that. We've got our Sunday night uh, trainings as well at 9 p.m. Sunday uh, night. And now I'm on Facebook uh, live on Sunday nights as well at Street Smart Investor, Facebook of Street Smart Investor. All right. Well, that should be more than enough ways to get a hold of Lou. <laughs> Guys, this uh, interview was a great affirmation of the power of property management as sitting at the nexus of wealth creation through owning real estate. That's what's inspiring to me is both for the client, either you're a glorified gopher or you're facilitating wealth creation through real estate. And that's the difference between being a commodity versus being a trusted advisor, but also for yourself personally to have that proximity to real estate. I'm motivated. I'm, I'm energized. I'm going to look more into the program. Um, Lou, thanks again for coming on. If you're ever in Austin, I'd love to have you in the studio. Oh, yeah, baby. Well, I'd love to do that. Thank you so much. I sure do appreciate that. This has been awesome. You know, you're an inspiration as well. You're just doing a great job and uh, and you're a great interviewer. So I'm looking forward to hearing some of your other uh, podcasts as well. Love it. Appreciate that, Lou. Be well. God bless. Take care. Yeah, baby.